Would you grab hold of a Bible this morning and join us? We are in 2 Corinthians on Sunday morning. We are making our way verse by verse through this book, although we just started last week. Like last week was our first study. Uh, this morning we join into that. We're wanting you to be there with us, and so hopefully you brought a Bible and are making your way there uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. If you do not have a Bible, there in front of you, in the chairs in front of you, uh, you will find uh, Bibles with page numbers on the screen. You can grab hold of one of those uh, long that you would do that. If you want to use an electronic device, you're welcome to do that as well uh, in a Bible app and be there with us. We want you to be in the Word of God with us. If you're joining us in the overflow or online, same invitation grab a Bible, open it up this morning so that you can hear from God from His Word and that God would take His truth and make it just connect into your life. We long for that. We need that. And so it's to that end that I want to lead you once more in a prayer. I'm going to ask that God would speak to us, and I want to invite you to pray as well, that you would ask that God would take His truth and make it just connect into your soul right where you are. So let's ask Him for that right now. Father, we thank You. I thank You for this time. And we thank you for the opportunity to go and study your word together. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. God, would you help us to hear it? Lord, anything right now that would rob us from hearing you, keeping us from, from hearing what you would say to us, Lord, would you just in grace and kindness soften our hearts, remove the blockages, give us ears to hear, so that this morning, what you would say to us, we would hear. This morning, what you would have for us would be understood by us. God, we're asking for that together as we just thank you for your good faithfulness and this opportunity we have to hear you. Help, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God's truth is so amazing. Sometimes it's just you can look at a verse or a set of verses like we're going to look at this morning and recognize how incredibly clear and simple it is. It's like a space that a kinder, kindergartner could just wade right into and, and fully walk in and understand. And yet at the same time, the same truth can be so vast and so depth that the deepest you know, scuba divers have never plumbed its depths. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's what's right in front of us. We're going to cover a couple of verses. They are not complicated. I don't think there's going to be anybody that reads through them with us this morning and go, I have no idea what that just said. You'll be like, I totally understand what that says. I mean, it's, just, it's pretty clear what it says. And just reading it all by itself will be helpful. But there's depth. There's depth that nobody's gotten to. There, there, there's weight and wonder in these verses that I want to just draw you to be able to see and to be able to stand in awe of and long for more of what it has because they are amazing. Now, I think about where we're going this morning, and I just want to say this at the outset. Uh, these are some of my favorite verses. Now, I, I say that, and my wife would tell me, like, you always say that. Like, you can't always say that. If you tell them it's always your favorite verse, they're going to be like, you love, well, I do like all of it. But no, seriously, these are some of my favorite verses. I don't think there's a week that goes by that I don't share these verses or pray them. I mean, seriously, they're just constantly in uh, my, my mind rolling over. They're very, very helpful to me, and I love them, and I'm so excited to share them with you, and I'm longing. Uh, that God would help them make sense to you. In fact, as we think about these, I would like you to think about it this way. We are just starting our study in 2 Corinthians. We gave you an introductory message last week, and we saw just kind of the parameters of everything, and we, we really looked at the, the whole of the book, and we titled our series in 2 Corinthians, 
power in weakness. And really, those words are taken out of chapter 12. Uh, in chapter 12, where near the end of the book, Paul is kind of detailing his own experience and, and asking for God to just rescue him. And God tells him, hey, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And so we, we talked about last week that in many ways, those are the things that we're needing to see. But now we're back to the beginning. And in many ways, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. Because now the introductory comments does done in verses 1 and 2, he steps into it here, and the very first thing that he talks about, uh, the very first thing that, that he begins to unpack for us is this very reality that he's longing for us to understand and see this so that we would comprehend a little bit of this invitation to this power that God has for us that's in weakness. Well, with that just invitation, why don't you notice it with me? There you have your Bibles open, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We go past the greeting and we pick it up again in the first line of the subject, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Wow, we look on these words, we look on this beginning invitation into seeing this, and again, if you're paying attention, it's not that complicated. It's not that we read something, that are, the words themselves are beyond us, and yet I want to just draw you to see them. In fact, as you do so, would you notice how it begins? It begins with a declaration of God's greatness, where he tells us there in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stop there for just a moment and understand this as you read those first words there. Blessed be you know, the, the, the Lord, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You're reading what is in many ways a New Testament doxology. Uh, what is a doxology? Doxology is a, is a statement of praise that is known, repeated, and, and declared. So we often end our service singing a doxology. That's the idea. This is one in the New Testament because it's recorded here in 2 Corinthians. It's also recorded in the book of Ephesians, and it's also recorded in 2 Peter, which is just kind of a little bit of fun because it's not just Paul. It's not like this is just one of Paul's favorites saying, though, they're both making this declaration. Blessed be, you know, the, the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, this place that makes that. Now, when a doxology like that rolls out, it is in one sense an invitation. It is a place where he's inviting us to bless God. He's inviting us to look on this and say, God, you're amazing. God, you're good. God, you are all of this. And this morning, I'm inviting that that would take place, that we would be able to look on this and say, God, you are all of this and more. That said, a doxology really is not just an invitation, it is a statement. It's a statement of fact. It's a statement of whether you believe it or not, it is so. And I want to tell you, it is so here, that this is God. He's going to declare to us who he is, and it would be right for us to respond. And if we do respond to it rightly, we'll be able to come out of these verses and say, God, you're amazing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like, God, you are glorious and wonderful, and seeing it in the midst of this is where God wants to invite us to, and so that's what we want to see. Well, connecting to the doxology, 
He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is that kind of doxology statement. He then adds this, that he's the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. That he's the Father of mercies. Now, this is powerful because in many ways it's worth you just understanding. Uh, this word that's used here for mercy is not the normal word used in the New Testament for mercy that would often have the idea of getting what we don't deserve or God not treating us, I'm sorry, as we deserve, which is powerful. But this word speaks not just of that kind of kindness and mercy in the midst of it. It speaks of an inward feeling of compassion. It has the idea of one who looks upon and, and sees suffering, sees hard spaces, and has compassion, but it's, it's inward. Uh, it, it's real. It's not just something that he does. It is something that he is. In fact, to say it this way, it even gets more so. Because to say it as the father of mercies, to call God the father of mercies really has the idea of he's the real source of it. I mean, he is the, the fountainhead of it. So, I mean, you get this oftentimes in scriptures. We would think about Satan, for example, that he is called the father of lies. And the idea is he is the source of all lies. Like he is the big liar. And so if he is the father of lies, he is the heart behind lies. And if God is the father of mercy, then, then mercy exists primarily in him. And that flows out of who he is. It is not just something he does. It is the very heart of who he is. It is the very heartbeat of, of, of what our God is. And if you can see that, you'll see a glorious place of understanding that he is this. Now, again, if I could just convince you of this, I would already be making some pretty good headway in some hearts. Because the lies that Satan has permeated into this world is to make people think that this isn't true. People think that God is hard or uncaring or distant. And yet the Bible tells us that's not him. In fact, in, in Peter, he tells us, you know, that we should cast all of our cares upon him because he cares about us. That there ought to be a sense that there's not anything that you could be going through you wouldn't tell him about because he actually does care about you. He's a father of mercies. And out of that mercy, he is now therefore the God of all comfort. That, in many ways, is one of the phrases I want you to wrap your mind around. That's what we've even titled this morning's message, the God of all comfort. Comfort is maybe the word that you want to pay really close attention to because in our two verses this morning, it's going to use the same word five times. Five times it's going to say comfort. Five times it's going to repeat it. In the section here in chapter one, it's ten times. Uh, ten times. So, I mean, you would just, if you're just paying attention, you'd be like, comfort, comfort, comfort. I mean, like, okay, I think we're talking about comfort. I think somehow comfort is what he's wanting us to make sure we understand. So, what is comfort? Well, if you were with us on Wednesday night, we've been doing a How to Study the Bible course uh, on, on Wednesdays, and so we talked some about the, the Bible being written in original languages and being able to study the Hebrew and Greek. And so for those who are there, just it's a good reminder you can do that. And this becomes one of those places that being able to do that unpacks it for us in some powerful ways. So we'd look at this word comfort that's used in the, our English translation, but in the Greek, which was the original that the Bible was written in, it is the Greek word parakaleo. Parakaleo. Now right there off the bat, some of you already know some of the Greek words. You're like, I like that word. I know what that is. Well, it's a word that is actually two Greek words slammed together. So para has the idea of alongside. When you use something that is, you know, when you use that, it speaks of something that's there right next to uh, walking alongside or is there. Kaleo is the word to speak for or to call to. It speaks of, of a voice that is just speaking into that. So parakleo is this voice from alongside. 
And yet it's more. The voice is meant to encourage. So the idea of comfort, it's not just um, tossing a platitude or, you know, giving a get well card. I mean, it has the idea of something that's strengthening, something that's helping. In fact, I think about that, and I think about even what that looks like. I think about how Jesus, when he was talking about it in John 16, night before he goes to the cross, and so he's sharing with the disciples, and he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. So again, this is this final night before Jesus goes to the cross. He's talking to his disciples about things that they're going to need in life going on, and one of the key themes is that he's sending the Holy Spirit. That in a way that had never been there before, that the Holy Spirit is now given to us, going to come alongside us. In fact, he gives him another name. Gives him the word that he is the helper. Now, just again, if you're just tracking this through with me a moment, that's parakaleo. Helper is parakaleo. He is, the Holy Spirit is the parakaleo. He is the helper. He is the one that comes alongside to speak to us. He is the one that is that. But in one sense, it is this idea of help. And Jesus says, you want this. You want it so much. He says, it's better for me to go. It's better for me to ascend to my Father than to stay here with you. Because if I go, you're going to get this that the Holy Spirit is going to become the one that parakaleos you, that comes alongside you all the time for each one of you in all spaces, that we desperately would say this is really, really, really good news because that's our God, but that's what's given to us even more. So our God is this. Our God is this one that comes to encourage, to help, to give strength to would even be a little bit of the understanding. To speak of help, it means to kind of give you know, not just, um, again, words of platitude, but to strengthen, to strengthen. In fact, I like uh, kind of the Latin, where we get our word help from, comes from the idea of speaking bravery into. It's the idea that he's going to give us bravery, he's going to make us stronger, he's going to make us able to face that. So that's what our God is. Our God is this one who comes and he speaks strength to you from alongside you. That is our God. So parakaleo, that's what we're wanting to say. And so he's saying, hey, this, you know, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the God who is merciful, and he is the God of all parakaleo. He is the God who comes alongside all of us, and he is speaking to us. And he is a God who is doing this. Like, this is what God is. This is not something we have to ask him to do. This is something by his nature he is doing. This is his faithfulness. This is his gloriousness that, again, if you can see it, you'll end it going, okay, God, he's pretty good. I mean, blessed be our God. I mean, it is amazing what he is because he is this God who is doing this. He is a God that by his nature is this, does this, and because he is the God of all comfort, he is always doing it. He is always doing it. That's our God. Our God is glorious and amazing. And if you see it this morning, again, it will be a place that by God's grace, that will happen. That for some of you, you will end thinking, God, you are good. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he comforts us. That's what he tells us. Let's notice a little bit more. Reading it again, just from verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation. Okay, that's where we want to stop for a second. He comforts us in all of our tribulation, or I'll even say it this way, he comforts us in all of our weakness. 
I use the word weakness a little bit there because that's what we've titled our series, Power and Weakness. And so flowing thematically throughout the letter, it is this, and it's just another term uh, for the same thing, that we face weakness, that we go through this. And he's telling us that in all of our weaknesses, God is comforting. In all of our weakness, all of our tribulations are all of our troubles. Hey, once more, just helpful to look at the original language. Uh, the word that's used here, tribulation, is philipsis. So philipsis has this really cool kind of almost just feeling weight to it because it literally means to crush or to squeeze. Anything that crushes or squeezes. Anything that, 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 that puts pressure where you feel either squeezed or pressed, that is that. Now, it can be used in so many different ways. It's a noun that can speak of an oppressive state that is physical, mental, social, or economic adversity. In fact, it's used again in all of these capacities. So again, this is one of the, one of the things I'm wanting to make sure you see in this is it's, it's really, really big. I mean, we're talking about things that make you feel oppressed physically. When physically you feel pressed when you feel like there's a weight pressing on you, when something happens and you just feel like, man, this is heavy. <laughs> this is hard to handle. I feel constrained. I feel like something is, is just physically hard for me. Philipsis is that. But it also includes things that are mental, where you're, you're, it's not physical, but it's just stress and worries and pressures, and you just feel like you're in a vice, like the world is just cranking down on you, and you feel like, man, I feel pressure. And, and so it's just Philipsis is that. Sometimes it can be social, where it's our world. It's what's happening in our society that you find yourself in a broken world, and you're like, man, it just feels like the world is pressing in on me. Yeah, that's philipsis as well. It could even be economic, where you find yourself just, oh, man, I just, I, I, I don't have enough. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling weighted. I'm feeling like, man, just the, 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 the bills or the pressure, I feel pressure. All of these things and more, and I say all that, again, to make sure that you're tracking with me that this word really is a very broad word, speaking of all and anything that makes us feel that way. And why you need to see that is because God is including all of those things, all of those things. Again, just notice how he says it, that there in verse 4, he comforts us, notice again, in all our tribulation. All? All. All. All is all, right? I mean, so all is like the really, really big ones, the really, really big things that they literally feel crushing, and the small ones that just a little bit of weight, uh, a little bit of pressure. All is all. And so whatever that is, whatever's thalipsis, whatever's pressure, whatever's squeezing, whatever's in the midst of that, our God is beside us, and he's speaking, and he's speaking. So that's what we want to see, because if we, if we miss the thought that it's in all of that, again, we'll put it and say, well, you know, that's for people that are going through really, really hard things, or that's for persecuted church people, or that's for other stuff. It's not really for what I'm going through, but I just want you to, again, just all is all. All tribulation is all tribulation, like anything and everything that is that our God is a God who comforts us in all of our weaknesses. Okay. As beautiful and simple as this is, we need to talk just for a moment uh, about some of the hard processes in the midst of this, kind of what we'll call the conundrum of Christian suffering, kind of the conundrum of Christian suffering, you know, in one sense, you know, it, it is that, it is this place where we look upon 
pain and sorrow and suffering, and it's confusing. I mean, I don't know if you're ever that way. I don't know if you, if you would have processed this through in a great deal, but probably all of us have one way or another. I mean, you hear people all the time, like, why do bad things happen to good people? You know, why, why, do, why do things happen? You know, why do, why do wrong things, bad things, why, why is that a part of the life that we live? It is a serious struggle, and it's a struggle that all of us have or will have. And how do we process that through? I mean, it's worth just noting, hey, that is part of it. I mean, that is part of our world. Now, as I say all of that, we should ask for God's help in all of that. I mean, we absolutely should ask for God to heal us when we're sick, help us when we're weak. And I want to just tell you right now, our God does that. Our God is an amazingly good and gracious God. And and I wonder sometimes how much we miss by not asking. James would tell us, you know, you don't have because you do not ask. And that has to be one of those like, okay, (laughs) bummer. You know, like, you mean God would have done something if I'd asked? Yeah, probably. There are some things that God would do. And so I just want to make sure I make this clear. If I say this poorly this morning, it's going to sound like fatalism or sound like, you know, kind of Hindu karma, that people are like, hey, you just accept life the way it is, as if somehow that's the way it's, no, I'm telling you, you should ask God all the time, and God, our God heals, our God helps, our God does that, and I know that in this room alone, if we just took time right now to share stories about how God has healed, about how God has rescued, about how God helps, we would be absolutely convinced, like, okay, our God does, our God does do that. But he doesn't always do that. But he doesn't always do that. No, see, here it is one of those realities that we have to come to a conclusion on, that it is God's good plan. It is God's good plan for you and I to live in a world that is filled with suffering, and we still face that. And I don't know if you've ever thought that through so clearly. I don't know if you've ever been able to just admit it so clearly, but let me just say it in a very gentle and serious way. That's all of us. That's all of us. There's not anybody here in this room right now who's like, nope, not me. I don't, I don't have anything. I don't go through any of that. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. There's, there's not one person here in this room right now that is probably 100% physically healthy. I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to scare you, okay? But I just wanted to be honest with you. It's probably not true. I mean, we probably all like it. Hey, do you want like a list? Like I could, t- I could give you a list of the things that are, no, you have, and that's, that, that's where it's going. And we're all going to die. I mean, unless Jesus comes back for the rapture, but let's just be honest. That's like six, one half dozen is the other. Either way, we're gone. Okay, so life is over. I mean, I'll still take the rapture. I'm still voting for that, just making that clear. Um, but either way, we're done. I mean, either way, you know, life is over, and there's not anybody on that road. Did you know that? Did you know that death is still certainly in your future? Did, is, is that clear to you right now that you're dying, and, and you will die, and that's the road, that, and that's not easy? That's hard? I mean, that's, that's our world. And sometimes it's confusing in the sense of like, well, why? I mean, if God is God, couldn't he have fixed all of that? Well, yes, and he's going to. Understand this, that's true for now, but it's not the way it's always going to be. Heaven is coming, and when we get to that side of it, it's gone. All suffering is over. There's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. There's no more suffering. There's none of these things that are a part of our life. There's no more death. So there's not a sense that we're looking at suffering and saying, God likes it. 
it's a good plan. God, God really likes us to suffer, and that's the way he always wants us to be. That's not true. He does not want you always to be that way. He is not going to leave us this way forever. Heaven's coming, and he is going to... Re- that is his good and glorious plan. It's just not yet. It's just not yet. There are spaces that we're going to go through that are hard spaces, and we have to come to this place where we know that God knows, cares, He's with us, and leaves us in the suffering. You know, I don't know if this makes sense, but if you've ever processed this through, it would lead to a whole bunch of other errors, but sometimes it would almost be easier to believe that God didn't know, that God isn't with you in every little thing that you're going through. It would almost be easier to believe that God's so busy running the universe that he didn't have time to think about what I'm going through. So whatever I'm going through might be just some kind of like mistake, you know, Uh, like God didn't, he forgot, like he didn't know. I mean, it would almost be easier to believe that sometimes than to say, there's not anything I'm going through that he's not right at my side. There's not anything that I'm facing that he has not, that he's ever left me. And, 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 And if I've asked him to rescue me and he doesn't, then there's a plan that he has in this. That, that, that's troubling on a number of levels, but it's also incredibly true. And I want you to think that through with me this morning in a way that will give you one of the reasons that is true. One of the reasons that is true. And it will, I hope, be helpful. But it is a reality we need to think through. Now, as we think through that, I ought to add one other place. We think about this suffering, and it's worth just noting he says it's a lot. So kind of pick it up there in verse 5, just as he begins to say this. He says in verse 5, he says, "For As the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation or comfort, it's the same Greek word, parakaleo, so our comfort abounds through Christ. Now, I like that. It's just one of those great, like, biblical words. You can read this verse and go, that sounds fun, like, you know, abounding. But sometimes it's really helpful to think about it, to think, okay, what does abounding mean? Can I just give you a a really simple definition? Abounding means to exist in large quantities, right? Like, you have something that's abounding, it's like a lot. So what do you just, our suffering's a lot. We suffer a lot. We have a lot of, we have a lot of trials that we go through. We have a lot of afflictions. They actually abound in us. True. True. I mean, life is filled with them. I mean, it is a big part of our existence. They abound in us, and God is telling us, hey, that's actually the road you're on. I mean, like, he's so honest with us about that. I love it. Like, Paul's talking to the early church, and he's going to churches that were just planted in Acts 14, and he goes on, he says, he's strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, saying, we must, through many tribulations, philipsis, pressures, weights, pressures, we have to go through a lot of things as we're entering into the kingdom of God. Like, I just love that he told us the truth. He didn't, like, lie to us, like, well, you know, if you really believe in Jesus, it's all going to be easy. He's like, no, nope. <laughs> it's going to be hard. I mean, the road between you and I in eternity is filled and marked with that. That is just honest. Like, hey, we expect those things. We expect that to be there. And so he's telling us that, that we have that. So, again, universally true. In case you thought it was just you, in case I don't think anybody did, but let's just say it again. There's not anybody in this room that is not going through physical and emotional and just our world pressing in, probably even financial for some of you, where you're like, I, 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 got, I got those. <laughs> like, I know problems. I, I have that in my life. 
But the point of the text is what God is doing in that. So let's read it again. So just going back again, read the end of verse 3, where he says, He's the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who, verse 4, comforts us in all our tribulation. Again, we'll just stop there again, because we really just covered all the tribulation. Let's go back to the key word of that phrase in verse 4. Our God is comforting us in all of that. God is comforting us in everything that we're going through. Comfort, again, is parakaleo. It's alongside of us. He's speaking. So maybe the easiest way to ask this is to tell you this. God is talking. Are you listening? Our God is a speaking God, a God who is speaking to us in the midst of our lives. And and one of the largest questions I can ask is, are you listening? In fact, let's just make sure that you're tuning in. If your brain is wandering a little bit, this really is the linchpin. I mean, if there's a key into this entire message this morning, it's going to be right here. And, and, and right here as we talk about this, we're going to discover not only what the key is, but maybe why some of us are missing it. Maybe why some of us can look at this and, and say, you know, yeah, that, that I'm missing something here. And so I really want to invite you guys into this because, I mean, I know you guys are doing good, but first service is going to need some help. So if you guys can get this down, you'll be able to help them. I'm just kidding, obviously, but um, I really just want you to really own this for a second. So here's the problem. Our God is a speaking God, but sometimes we only listen when God says what we're wanting to hear. Sometimes. The only times we're actually paying attention is when God says what we were wanting him to hear. So in the midst of our suffering, what we're wanting to hear is healing, rescue, deliverance, and don't miss me. God does that. He does heal, and he does deliver, and he does rescue, and when he does, you should hear that and hear the greatness of his kindness and the greatness of his love, and you absolutely should pay attention. But that's not what he's talking about here. He's not talking about when God speaks to us in rescuing our lives. He's going to talk to us about how God's speaking to us when he doesn't rescue us. When we go through the trials, that's what he's actually speaking. He is saying that we need to hear those in, not out of, in our weaknesses. So let's just think this through practically for a moment, because here's the problem. Again, for some of us, that's just not when we're listening. I mean, sometimes we are like spoiled three or four-year-olds, you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of the idea, if God does what we want, great. If he doesn't do what we want, we're just pouting, you know, like, I'm not, I'm not listening, you know, waiting for him to speak. And so here's how it works. So you're going through something. Maybe it's a migraine. Maybe you're struggling with insomnia. Maybe it's cancer. Maybe it's emotional problems with you and your family or people around you, and you are asking God to rescue, and sometimes he does. It's a glorious thing when he does. And for some of you, when you do, you feel like God heard you, and and he loves you. And when he rescues you, you're like, he loves me, he loved me, rescued me. And he does, he does. But when he doesn't, when you're having a migraine, and you're praying for it to go away, and it doesn't go away. When you're awake at two or three in the morning struggling with insomnia and you are asking God to help you sleep and you're not sleeping. When you're dealing with cancer and you're pleading for it not to be cancer and it is. When when you're going through something and you are pleading with God to answer and he doesn't do what you want, our problem is we can feel like God is ignoring us and God is not talking. 
and God is leaving us alone. And I'm telling you, that's a lie. Because this is exactly saying, hey, when you're going through it, when, when, you, when you're being pressed, God's talking. God is talking. And he is speaking to you. And he is speaking to you in a way that would be life-giving. He is speaking to you in a way that would strengthen you and help you. It's not rescuing you right now. He eventually is coming, but he is saying something to you. And our problem is, for some of us, we're not listening. Unless God says what we want him to say, we're not listening. Because we don't want to hear it. We didn't understand that he was. We didn't understand that's, what, that, that's kind of where his voice at times can be magnified, that we find ourselves in this place where God is talking and we need to be listening, that, that in one sense we need to make sure in those moments that we actually actively listen. I mean, sometimes it really is that place of almost kind of removing the headset, removing whatever's there and say, in the middle of the pain and suffering, when God doesn't do what you want him to do, ask him, and he might, but if he doesn't, then pause and say, okay, God, what are you saying? What am I needing to hear? God, speak to my life, speak to my soul, speak into this moment. And, and sometimes it would be really big things. Sometimes it's just small things, speaking encouragement and help just to make it through a day. But he's talking. The, the, the breadth and width of what he says in those moments is so big, there's no way to even fully accomplish it. I'm just telling you he's talking. I'm just telling you, in the midst of your suffering, when you're, when you're going through it, that he's allowing you to go through it. He is talking to you, and his words would sustain you, and his words would help you, but you desperately need to hear them. I think about it. Some of you are reading with us in Ephesians, and so you read Paul's prayer, which is a great prayer, but just this one verse out of it in Ephesians 3 today, it says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. I just really, really like that. And that's this. He says he could strengthen you on the inside so that you could face what's on the outside. He, he by his spirit, would give you power. He would give you ability. Like he would speak into your world that would carry you up and that would work in a great way, that would do all of this because that is what our God is doing. So, Again, I think in graphics sometimes, and it doesn't maybe help everybody, but I think about, we're talking about this whole thing, and so I've used this little power symbol uh, for our message, for our series in 2 Corinthians, talking about power in the midst of weakness. For this morning, let me add another little symbol to it. So I'm just going to add a little kind of hearing ear, like, hey, you're actually listening. And if I can put those two together, I want to tell you, that's where the power is found. In our weakness, our God is speaking and he's doing what happens to Paul in, in, in chapter 12 where he says, no, I'm not going to answer your prayer. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. It's God speaking. It's God speaking. It's God speaking into the midst of it, and there's power to be found there. There's power to be found in God saying to us and speaking into our lives all that he has. There's power to be found in that, and that's what our God is doing, that our God is a God who is doing that. And that is good, good, good news. I mean, if you just, again, got there, and you think, okay, if I could just believe this, and if I'm going through something, and I ask God to make it better, and he doesn't make it better, if I could just believe this and just stop and say, okay, God, I'm listening. I'm just listening. What is it you're saying? What is it you're spe- Read his word, read his, and find truths that just speak into your life in that moment. I want to tell you, it would do you really, really good. 
But it's not the end of the sentence, right? It's not the end of what God is doing. So let's back and notice it again. Just for the sake of it, we'll begin again there in verse 3, seeing it, where he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So something can happen here, that not only is God going to speak to us, but what he speaks to us is going to be able to come through us. But I like just the tenderness with which he says it. I won't spend a lot on it. I like that he says it's possible, that you could. doesn't say that you are. For fact, some of you aren't. But you could, you should. We may comfort others by what God is speaking to us about, that God is going to tell us, hey, if I comfort you, then you'll be able to comfort others. Now, notice how he says it, because it's powerful just to catch the wording of it. So again in verse 4, who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. Okay, think about this for a moment, because this will be helpful. This will be helpful. Sometimes it's really helpful when somebody goes through something to be able to identify with them and meet with them. So you guys know how this works, and this is a good thing. This is true. So if you have somebody who is a cancer survivor. Sometimes they have the, when somebody else has cancer, just to say, hey, come, I, I know what you're going through. Uh, when somebody goes through the loss of a loved one, to be able to come and say, hey, I, I understand what you're facing, and I can empathize with you. Now, empathy is great, and it's powerful, and please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. We should do that. Like, we should do that. Like, we should connect those dots wherever we can. That's a great thing to do. This is more. This isn't focused on being able to be empathetic and understand what we're going through. He says, if you'll be comforted by God, you can comfort anybody who's going through any suffering. doesn't have to be your suffering. doesn't have to be the same thing that, that you went through because the focus right now isn't the suffering. It's the comfort. It isn't that I understand what you're going through because I've gone through the same thing. It's like, no, God has spoken to me in my hard spaces, and because he spoke to me in my hard spaces, I can speak to you. That somehow when God would give us this, it is more than empathy. It is more powerful because it is something that God would speak into our lives, a place where he would give us comfort, and he's going to say that comfort that he gives you you can comfort others with the comfort with which he comforts you. Wow. Okay, walk around this with me for just a moment. This is Jesus. I mean, do you, can, can you picture this for a moment? I mean, everything he's telling us about what we can do is exactly what Jesus is to us. He is one who came to this earth and he went through life. And one of the reasons he did is for you. So Hebrews would tell us that there's not anything you're going through that he doesn't understand. He was tempted by all manner of sin, even as we are, so that he could have compassion on us. So that there's a sense that Jesus would be able to say, hey, I've walked it. I, I, I understand this. And so he went through it so that he has something to speak into our lives. He did this even more so in, in, in his death on the cross, that he came and he endured pain and suffering and, and, and abuse for you, so that in his suffering, he is speaking life into us. 
So it's Christ. I mean, this is really, really powerful. You can see this. Like, this is Jesus. This is what he is for you. In fact, if you're here this morning outside of Jesus, I just want to tell you, he did this for you. He understands what you're going through. He came and he died on the cross for you to rescue you, and you need to see that. And the beauty of Christ is the way that not only that you, what you need, but what we're supposed to show. So it shouldn't be a surprise that if that's the life that Jesus lived, that it's supposed to be ours. That Jesus said, hey, they're going to treat me the way they treated, you know, they're going to treat you the way they treated me. Like, I took up my cross, you take up your cross. And we're invited into this life not for redemption, not for redemption, because Christ paid the entire price for redemption but that we could be a sounding board of the, uh, of the hope of Christ. So that when you could see this, I could tell you again, this is the gospel. This is the power of the gospel in us. That one of the things that makes the gospel resound into our world, and again, I just want to say it clearly, is our suffering. It is that we suffer. Not because the suffering, but, but in the midst of that, it allows the gospel to be proclaimed clearly. It, it allows the trueness of the gospel of Christ to be there. And when it's there, it is powerfully attractive. Think about it this way. I, I love, you know, just giving you an example of it given in the book of Acts. It talks about Paul, and he's there in the, in the city of Philippi, and he's been arrested, and they command him to be beaten with rods when they've laid many stripes on him. Like, they beat him and they beat him mercilessly, they throw him into prison, and they eventually fasten his feet into stalks in the inner prison. Now, again, if you just could walk around this for a moment, let's just admit this is a really bad day. This is a bad day. I mean, he is, he is maligned, misunderstood. He is rallied again. He is physically abused. He is now literally in prison in stalks. I mean, he is pressured. <laughs> I mean, the weight of the stalks themselves. I mean, the whole thing is, is incredibly bad. But if you know the story, it's what happens in the middle of that that becomes so powerful. Because it says at midnight, uh, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Wow. I just want you to try to imagine it for a moment. I just want you to try to imagine it for a moment. So it's been a really, really bad day. And it would be really normal for somebody who's had the day they've had to sit there in the prison cell and be whining. I mean, like, just like, this is so unfair. I've been treated wrongly. I mean, does anybody listening to me, you know, clanging on the, you know, like, this is wrong. This is unfair. And I've been treated badly and it hurts and I don't like it. That would have been normal. Maybe not, you know, it's not great to hear, but normal. But that's not what Paul's doing. He's praying. He's worshiping. And, and what I want you to see there is it's midnight and nobody's sleeping. And it's not because Paul has a really bad voice. You know, it's not like, man, I can't sleep when he's singing. No, no, really, I mean, you've got to just feel it for a moment. It's as if they're like, what are you doing? I've never, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I, I don't understand. I mean, you should be sad. I mean, you should be mad. I, I don't understand. I mean... And, and, and they're just silent. In fact, we know how profound it is because if you continue reading the story, God does rescue Paul. An earthquake happens and, and their stocks fall open and the gates all open. The, the prisoner, uh, prison guard, the, the jailer, he runs in to see what happens and he realizes all the gates are open and he knows everybody's gone. And so he's about to kill himself and Paul just says, don't kill yourself. Nobody's left. We're all still here. 
And I just want to pause and make you see it again because it's as if those prisoners on any other day, they would have been like, prison doors open, I'm out. <laughs> That's what I, I'm right. But today, no, it's like, I don't know where to go. Something happened here. This has been a holy moment. I mean, somebody is worshiping in the middle of their pain. I don't, I don't understand how you can do that. I don't understand what's happening. It's captured them. It's captured them. It's the beginning of the gospel work there in Philippi, which is absolutely powerful. And again, for Paul, that's what he, he's understanding, that his trial is actually part of his megaphone, that part of what he's going through is giving him a voice to speak. In fact, he would say it later to the church in Philippi when he gets arrested again in, in another city. He finds himself again being persecuted. He writes to the church in Philippi, and he says, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which have happened to me have actually turned out for a furtherance of the gospel. Yeah, it's been bad. I've been abused. I've been arrested again. Things are not going well, but I need you to understand something. The gospel's going powerfully. This is actually, it's not hindering the gospel. It's magnifying the gospel. This isn't keeping the gospel from being understood. It's declaring it. So that he'd say, so everybody around me has become evident, the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ, that I don't see myself as a victim of our world. I don't see myself as a victim of circumstances. I'm, I'm, I'm here for Jesus. And if he allows me to be in this, it's for his glory. And Paul's shining it. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes the, the sense that I'm wanting to tell you. I'm just telling you it's absolutely powerful. It is absolutely powerful that, that this is really a big part of us sharing the gospel. And it goes kind of a, totally against some of the lies of our day. We live in a prosperity gospel-ridden culture, and it permeates our hearts even sometimes in ways we don't understand. So that sometimes we think, boy, if I wanted to win my, my friends and my neighbors and my family to Christ, if life would just go perfect for me, they would want to know Jesus. You know, if I could be healthy and have no problems, sure, everybody would see they would want Jesus. And I'm just telling you that is not what they would see. Now, again, if everything went well for your life, and sometimes God does heal, and sometimes he does bless, that's a great thing. But for most people, when that happens, the world looks on and says, well, I'd be happy too if I was healthy and rich and had everything. That'd make me happy as well. It's not a big surprise to our world. It doesn't catch anybody's notice. But when it's not going well for you, and your family and friends know you're having a hard time. And then they look at you, and there's something else. There's, there's something else in the midst of that that is, is holding you and carrying you and helping you through that. They'll look at you and go, why? How? How? I, I, I couldn't do what you're doing. What do you have that I don't have? How, how do you have hope in the midst of this? How, I mean, I don't understand what you're doing. And, and, and it's, the, it's, it, it's sometimes what we're going through that gives us the place to share. And I want to just unpack for you again, it is one of the key reasons that God is allowing weakness in our life. I don't want to be oversell it. I don't want to say it's the main reason. Maybe it is. <laughs> Maybe it is. But it's not even the only reason. But I don't know if you've ever thought about it. So if you get saved... Why doesn't God make it all better? Could he? Could he make you perfectly healthy and never have pain again? Yeah. Is he going to do that? Yeah. That's heaven. Why? Why does he save you and leave you in this world and leave you in a place where you are still hurting and facing sorrow and facing pain? I want to tell you. 
Part of it is for the gospel. Because this is how Jesus is known. That, that, that it's us in the midst. It's, it's, the suffering is not un, unrelated to it. It is fully connected to it. It is fully connected to it. So we would be able to say, I get to do this. And I get to be a part of this. And so now he's just inviting you to do it. So again, I mean, it's hugely profound, big theological. Now it's back up into simplicity, okay? If I, if I took you too deep and you're like, okay, Jim, I'm, I'm just trying to, let's just come back to simplicity. It's not a complicated verse, is it? Our God is an amazing God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Father of mercies. He is the God of all comfort. Absolutely true, you should bless him. And here's what he's doing. He's comforting you. He is comforting you. He is speaking to you. So, that if you'll receive comfort from him, then that comfort you get from him, you'll be able to share. And, and that will take on a quality that will connect to anybody that's going through anything. I don't know if you know anything about that. Maybe I'm saying this again, and you're like, oh, I found that to be true. <laughs> it is so wildly, wonderfully, weirdly true. Good. But maybe for some of you, again, I'm just being nice. I'm just trying to be kind and tell you, for some of you, it, it's not working because you're not listening. You know, when God doesn't heal you and he isn't making it all better, you feel unloved. You feel like he's ignoring you. You feel like he's not talking, and he is talking. You just, he's just not saying what you want to hear. Then hear what he's saying. And then allow what he says to you to be what you can share with other people. Because as it comes out of your suffering, it takes on a quality that is otherworldly. It's as if it becomes a powerful thing because it's come through your suffering. Now, I think about how real that is and the invitation to it, but maybe the best way to give it to you, and one other way is to give it to you in, a, in a, just a, a powerful way it was done. So many of you guys know this. It's not a, a news story for some of you. Some it might be, but some it'll be a good reminder. But in just a few moments, we're going to end, and we're going to sing uh, a well-known hymn. It's Well With My Soul. Actually, probably my favorite uh, in the midst of it, and probably some of yours as well. And maybe you know, maybe you know the background, maybe you know a little bit of the story, but quick reminder. So Horatio Spafford, the author of it, lived in the 1800s, a godly man, godly man. He and his, his wife, Anna, living for Jesus there in Chicago, serving him, actively a part of churches, and yet their world was undone. They had, would eventually have eight children. Uh, out of the eight of them, first, their first son in 1870 died, only son. Uh, they'd have, he died of scarlet fever. And, and I don't even want to just rush past that to simply say, losing a child is probably one of the hardest things that people go through. Some of you know it, and, and you, would, you would say, it's one of the hardest things you could ever go through. It, it, it crushed them. I mean, it was incredibly hard. They lost their son. Uh, they were dealing with this. But a year later, on top of that, in the Great Chicago Fire, they lost everything. Uh, before insurance, in fact, it was the Great Chicago Fire that really sparred the insurance, engine, insurance agency in our, in our whole nation because everybody lost everything. Their entire life savings burned up uh, in, in that day in the, in the Chicago Fire. So now they've not only lost their son, they've lost everything they've been saving. They lost everything that's happening in the midst of this. So it's a hard year, year and a half after that, as they just try to muscle through, kind of working through, kind of redeeming. How do we get life back on top of it? So in 1873, a year and a half later for them, uh, they decided to take a vacation in England. They had already been helping D.L. Moody, who had been an evangelist here in America, and he was going to do some evangelistic crusades in England, and they thought, let's go tag along. Let's just go 
you know, we'll travel through England with them, we'll help through crusades, we'll just serve, and we just want to be a part of what Jesus is doing. It'd be a really, really great thing. And so they decide to go. They make their way down to get on the ship. At the last moment, Horatio has some business that calls to him, so he just says, hey, tells his family, you go. I will catch up quickly as I can on one of the next ships, but he doesn't want them to miss it. So he sends them on the ship, and they begin their journey across the, the ocean. On November 2nd, uh, 1873, the Villa de Harva, the, the ship that they were on, collided with the Lockern, and 226 people died, including four of Horatio Spafford's daughters. Four of his daughters die in the midst of this incredible tragedy. His wife makes it to, to England, and she cables, saved alone. I, I'm the only one that made it. What am I supposed to do? You know, where, where, where do we go with this whole thing? Just riding this whole thing. Horatio immediately hears this. He catches the next ship uh, on his way to England, kind of processing through all of this. So the story's told that the captain of the ship, knowing Horatio was there, uh, when they got to about the same location that the Villa de Harbor had gone down and lost his four daughters, they just let him know, hey, like, you know what? This is where it happened. This is where it happened, and just in case you want to know, and so Horatio Spafford does. He goes, as you can imagine, to the, you know, the, the, the railing of the ship, and he's just there for a while, just there for a while, just realizing in, in the ocean that he's looking down that that's where he's lost his four daughters, and he's processing this whole thing in some ways. He makes his way back to his cabin, and he pulls out a piece of paper, and he sits down to write a poem uh, that is articulating things that are just rolling and speaking in his heart. And he writes down there in, on, on that piece of paper a poem that just simply goes this way. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, like I am just being pounded with sorrow, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, and he is, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate, and he has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, he goes on to write, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. And Lord, he writes, haste the day when my face shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back like a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Like God, it's not always going to be this way. I know it. Even so, it is well. It is well with my soul. Wow. The weight of what he writes is amazing. I mean, the words are powerful. And for some of you, 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 you find help in it like I do as well. But if you're tracking with me, can I just tell you something? What he just did is what God is here promising us. Hey, in the middle of your hardship, I'll speak to you. In the middle of what you're going through, I will speak to you. And Horatius Spafford was spoken to, and he wrote it down, and it literally happened. The comfort that God gave him comforts other people. I mean, It's Well With My Soul is one of the most favorite hymns in the world, and there's a reason. Because it's more than the words. You, you don't, I mean, sometimes you can walk around it and say, you know, I feel it. There's like this heavenly vibration. This, it, it's like there's weight to the words. And you don't even have to know the story to know that. But to know the story, you're like, wow. This is not a good day. This is a terrible day. This is a horrible space of his life. But out of the midst of it, God met him 
gave him words that carried him through that moment. And those words carry others. And if you can see that, then I just want to come back to it one more time and tell you, that's what our God does. That is what our God does. He comforts us in the middle of what we're going through. And when he gives us something, those words, those words, those realities, they, they, can, they can impact other people. And maybe you've already figured it out. Maybe you're already doing it. I know this. You're suffering. I, there's not anybody here in this room that's like, nope, that's not me. I don't have any affliction. No, you are. You just might be doing it poorly. You just might not be listening. You might not be saying, I said, God, what are you saying? What are you saying? And then when he says it, it's like, wow. And then you meet other people. It's like, can I tell you what God has spoken to me in hard days? Man, our God has told me it's well with my soul. My God has reminded me that he sent his son for my, and, and pay, he cares about what I'm going through. That's why he sent his son. He has reminded me that this isn't always going to be this way, that Lord hates the day when faith is going to, I mean, you, if you could find that, and the words would be different. You might not be a poet. It doesn't have to happen as it did for Asia Spafford, but hearing what God speaks gives us things to say. And I just want to tell you, it's worth doing because our God's amazing. Our God is amazing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like this is what he is doing so that you could do this. You might not be doing it. I love just again the honesty so that you may comfort other people with comfort that God's trying to comfort you with, but you could. What would it be like if in the journey that you're on that is hard, you heard God and allowed him to speak to you and through you? It would be it would be this. It would be this. So let's close there. You can close your Bibles, your notebooks. In a moment, we're going to sing that song together. But before we do that, I just want to give you a moment to pray. And again, I, there, there's so many spaces this might be found. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus. I just want to tell you, we see it. Jesus sees you. That's why he came and died, to rescue us. And he is. He has left us here so that you could see the gospel in us, and we hope that you do. If you don't know Jesus, we invite you into a relationship with him. If you do know Jesus, maybe you're already doing this. Maybe this is life to you. And you are used to listening and, and then used to sharing what God's speaking to you. But maybe for some of you, you just would recognize with me that sometimes we think, I probably do this poorly. And it probably begins with just not listening. Because undoubtedly, God's doing it. God is faithful. He is the God of all comfort. He is comforting us in all of our tribulation. He's speaking. He just might not be listening. Maybe it's a good moment right now. Because whatever you're going through, and I know this, there's not anybody in this room that isn't going through something. Maybe if you haven't, would you just take a moment to ask him right now? God, help me to hear what you're saying. God, help me to hear what you're saying. And, and then allow that to become something that gives you strength that you can strengthen others with. Quietly between you and him, would you talk to him about that? I'll do the same, and we'll close on worship in just a moment.
God, I want to bless you for who you are. I want to just acknowledge that blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father of mercies, God of all comfort, God, you are amazing. You are good. You are faithful. You are a God who cares. And you are a God who sees. And you are an amazingly blessed God. God, I thank you that you never abandon us. I thank you that you are a God who comforts us in all of our tribulation. There's not anything we're going through right now that you're not faithful, speaking, life-givingly speaking. God, you know it better than I can put it into words, but I would like to come and even just right now from my own heart and say, God, I'm so sorry for not listening. I repent of my arrogance and anger or frustration, even in some of the hard times of just being frustrated over things and and yet not taking time to listen. I would admit to you, Lord, that we have probably missed hearing things that you would say to us. But as much as we can do it right now, Lord, I just want to ask that we wouldn't miss it. I do ask that you would heal. I do ask that you would rescue from anything that you would, in your good, perfect will, would be that which you would heal and rescue us from. Lord, that you would be a deliverer and a rescuer, and I thank you that you do that. But right now, I want to embrace where you don't, where you haven't, and say, God, help us to hear you, to hear you speak to us, that would give us life, that would sustain us, that would help us make it even one more day. And then what you've shared with us, may we share with others. Hope, help, strength. Lord, that it would flow in and on and through us and that the gospel would be resounding in our lives. That it would be like Paul and Silas there at midnight and everybody's listening. God, give us us just ability to step towards that and end that not to waste our suffering, but to walk in it and and, and seek to see you glorified until it's done. I'm so glad it's not going to always be this way. I'm I'm looking forward to heaven. I really am. But till then, may we be gospel lights here. Thank you, Lord, that that's your intention, that your power would be manifest and made magnified in our weakness. Make it so. Make it so, Lord, I ask for it now, for me and for each of us, in Jesus' name. Amen.